On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview Kansas-West Virginia for Saturday. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk every Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 o'clock on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to talk KU West Virginia. They take on West Virginia tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Uh, you can hear pregame on KLWN at 3.30 as well as 105.9 KISS at 4.30 with kickoff at 5 o'clock if you're looking for it on the radio. And West Virginia comes in at 0-1. They lose week one, 38-31 to Pittsburgh. Last season they were a bowl team, made it to the Cheez-It Bowl, lost to Minnesota as they were kind of physically dominated in that game. And in the Pittsburgh game, there were certain physical aspects that Pittsburgh did really well in. There were certain physical aspects that West Virginia did really well in in that game. The biggest storyline around West Virginia coming into this game is Neil Brown is on the hot seat. Like, the biggest storylines for KU is how real were the Tennessee Tech results? How much is that going to translate the physical domination they showed into a Power 5 Big 12 opponent? How is KU going to do in a Big 12 road game in a tough environment that they've never won in before? And that a lot of these matchups in Morgantown in the past have been pretty decisive wins for West Virginia. All the close games they've had in this series against the Mountaineers have pretty much come in Lawrence. But from the West Virginia side of things, it all starts with Neil Brown, their head coach. Came into this season with not bad results, but pretty much a record around 500 and they kind of expected maybe last year, maybe this year would be the year that they start to break out and and blow past that and maybe can be an eight-win team or something like that. And if he has a season where they go five and seven or six and six, like that might not be enough for Neil Brown to keep the job at West Virginia. So week one, when you lose, that's obviously going to get that conversation maybe ramped up a little bit more. But then specifically how it happened. It's against a rival. A game where weird stuff happens to you at the end, and a game where a lot of people wanted to point back to West Virginia not going for a fourth and short situation, and instead punting it away. Pittsburgh coach Pat Narduzzi after the game says, yeah, I would have gone for it. That didn't help much to the cause of Neil Brown. And so I, I wonder how much of that conversation about him being on the hot seat, that can be a distraction for a team. It absolutely can. And so I think I think one of two things can happen here. Either the way that they lost on a close game to Pittsburgh, your coach being on a hot seat, it's going to galvanize the team. It's going to make them reset, and it's not going to allow them to lose focus on Kansas. And I don't know if it would to begin with because we're so early in the season. Kansas played West Virginia close a season ago, and again, they're looking for their first win of the year, so you would think they're not going to have one of those games. Like It felt like OU last year when they played in Lawrence weren't totally ready. Maybe they were over or, or underselling what KU was coming into that game, and maybe that helped lead to, to Kansas starting off so well. I don't really expect that from West Virginia, but if the Neil Brown conversation becomes too much of a distraction with you know him at the, the forefront of all this, then you wonder if that has a negative turn on the team or if it will allow them to basically just you know find a common ground to kind of fight against. Like That's the ultimate question here. Of you could convince me one way or another that this is going to be as energized as West Virginia will be all season. You could also convince me this will be a lethargic version of West Virginia. And that, on its own, will probably have a huge pull into how the game goes, how good West Virginia is, and how successful KU can be. So you look at 
the offensive side of the ball for West Virginia. Graham Harrell takes over as offensive coordinator. Obviously, you remember Graham Harrell from his time at Texas Tech when he was just slinging the ball all around in Mike Leach's offense, pretty much a a throw-only offense with the occasional run. That's not what he does. He does use many concepts from the air raid and likes to throw it around a lot and likes to play a spread open system. But it's not as simple as Mike Leach where maybe you only have 10 runs in a game. They still ran the ball a good amount last week. So he is a little more balanced than that, and it's important to note that even though we think of Graham Harrell in those days at Texas Tech, like he spent a handful of years in the NFL, whether it was a practice squad or whatever. I know he's on the Packers for a while. You're going to take some of those concepts as well. It's not just the Mike Leach system there, and, and you put your own spin on it. They do want to pass the ball, though. They do want to get the ball downfield. They do have certain route concepts that will probably remind you of Texas Tech, but they're not going to just overwhelmingly throw the ball. And the quarterback who's leading them is JT Daniels. Super talented, a quarterback, former five-star guy, started at USC, went to Georgia, looked pretty good when he came in at Georgia, and then his last year there, Georgia last year, didn't look as good. He is someone who is prone to making some mistakes. He's not very mobile. At times, he's maybe been a little trigger shy when the pressure comes, and maybe that deals back to him not being as mobile. And that obviously became a problem for West Virginia in week one because the offensive line struggled against that Pittsburgh front in the first week of the season, which is weird because coming into the year, West Virginia was a team that returned all five of their starting offensive linemen. And they are also just one of three teams from a season ago who ranked in the top half of the conference in pass block grade and run block grade on pro football focus. They were just one of three teams who did that last year with Oklahoma and Baylor. And they returned all five starters. So did that talent just go away? Was it week one bumps? Was it Pittsburgh's D-line is just that good? I've mentioned before, Pittsburgh's supposed to have a good defense. They do have a good defensive line. That's kind of what I lean to. But overall, that first performance, West Virginia ranked 111th in pass blocking grade through week one and just 117th in run blocking grade through week one. So it was not very good. Is it going to take them some time to get together, get the offensive line? I don't know. Or was that just a bad matchup in the first game of the season against a good Pittsburgh front four? But if they play like that again against Kansas, you're going to expect guys like Lonnie Phelps to have a big game. At running back, you lose Letty Brown from this West Virginia team. Really good last season. C.J. Donaldson, though, and Tony Mathis racked up nearly 200 yards on the ground in week one. They should be fine there as they are going to want to run the ball. Donaldson is a load. He could converted from tight end as a true freshman. Uh, You have Bryce Ford Wheaton, really good go-to guys, receiver on the outside. Sam James is really good. That's one of the better receiver duos in the Big 12 between Ford Wheaton and Sam James. So they have weapons. I think if you're KU, if you can hold them to under 30 points, I think you feel pretty good about where you'll be at the end of this game. And that's not to say KU is guaranteed to score 30 or more points because as we bring it to the defense, like this was a top 25 unit a season ago. It's just that that gives you a real shot at winning it. They brought back a lot. They brought back Dante Stills. He's awesome in the interior of that defensive line. The secondary did lose a ton to graduation and transfers, but they did bring some interesting and talented players back or, you know, whether it's returning, bringing in their own transfers, freshmen, whatever it is. Um, so that unit is, is a little bit different. And even though they did bring some of that talent, I think you saw some of the youth or inexperience because Pittsburgh averaged just under 13 yards per attempt passing the ball. Those are huge numbers that Pittsburgh put up. The pass rush certainly 
will help for West Virginia in pass defense. They had five sacks last week. That's a little scary against this KU offensive line with the front being so good for West Virginia and that you wonder how good the KU offensive line can be. But if they can protect enough, that back end is prone to giving up some big plays or some big gains in the passing department. And I think this could be a good game for Jalen Daniels, who's really chomping at the bit after those two interceptions against West Virginia last year that, you know, speaking with him in media availability uh, a couple days ago, sounded like something that, you know, he really wanted to overcome and felt like it was kind of his fault that they lost the game. And uh, I, I think you're going to get a very motivated Jalen Daniels coming into this game. Let's get into some matchups that could decide the game, some matchups that are interesting in just a moment. But first... This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. It's super easy to play. You can win cold, hard cash in a single game, and it's just so much fun to get involved in. So you go up on the app. You can do different prices for what you want to join in on. You want to just join for a dollar, two dollars. You want to join for twenty dollars. You can do pickums where. You basically are picking, is he going to have over .5 hits if you're betting an MLB game? Is he going to have over 4.5 strikeouts? Is he going to be under? College football game, you can have, is he going to have over 98 rushing yards? Is he going to have over 2.5 passing touchdowns? You pick all these, and depending on how many you pick, you're going to win more money. You also have drafts where you're competing against other people and drafting different teams of players and see who puts together basically the best fantasy lineup for that specific day. Sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. We'll finish out the show with our bet online look at the KU West Virginia game in terms of the betting spread and maybe some college football stuff as a whole coming up here in just a moment. Uh, KU taking on West Virginia, some of the biggest matchups of the game that are both intriguing to me and I think going to have a big hand in who wins the game. The first one has to be the battle of Jay Daniels. Will the real Jay Daniels quarterback please stand up? We have JT Daniels, the quarterback for West Virginia. We have Jay Lynn Daniels, the quarterback for KU. Don't even get me started if LSU gets in here with Jay Dan Daniels. That's just a whole nother situation. But Jay Lynn Daniels in week one, was electric it was also against easier competition especially compared to what JT Daniels played against Pittsburgh Daniels was under pressure I I just realized I said the last name JT Daniels uh, was under pressure all game long against Pittsburgh and he had to deal with that but he still wound up with a pretty good game overall I don't think you go into this game though saying that like even if you think JT Daniels is better than Jalen Daniels or even if you think Jalen Daniels is better than JT Daniels I don't think you go into this game saying that one quarterback is just overwhelmingly better than the other. To me, this is pretty close. And if that's the case, I think that makes you feel better if you're KU. right? There are certain areas that West Virginia is going to be better in. There might be certain areas that KU is going to be better in. But you probably don't have to worry about the quarterback play being so much better better from the other end of things. It can, can create kind of a, a gap in the play between the two teams. Now, if Jalen Daniels outplays JT Daniels, he had the two interceptions last year in this game, both of them coming in the red zone, which KU loses by six. Who knows if that doesn't happen if KU goes on to win the game. I think that certainly is going to motivate him even more in this game. And if he can avoid those big interceptions, those big plays going to West Virginia's way, I think he does have a great shot of outdueling JT Daniels 
in a game like this, and I think a big reason why is he is more mobile in the pocket. He's able to get by pass rush. He's able to run for maybe a big first down on a third down and six or something like that, and I think that has to make you feel good for KU. But if Daniels has more of those red zone interceptions, then you're going to come away from the game saying, yeah, JT Daniels was the better quarterback, and that was a big edge that West Virginia had in the game. How about the running backs? Really for both sides, again, I know they're not going up against each other specifically, just like the quarterbacks. West Virginia's two running backs looked really good in the first week of the season. For KU, we know they have all sorts of good running backs. Kai Thomas won the Cheez-It Bowl MVP for his performance against West Virginia in the bowl game. So you know he's seen well against this team. Devin Neal, who uh, last year didn't get to play in this game, now you get him back. I would imagine if you had Devin Neal last year in this game, like maybe that's enough to to beat West Virginia at home. Um, but the West Virginia defensive line is really good, as I mentioned. Pittsburgh averaged under two yards per carry in that game. They had just 76 rushing yards. It was tough sledding against the West Virginia defense. So how much can the offensive line, and, and that brings me to my next most interesting matchup, and this is the most interesting matchup in terms of they're actually going up against each other is the KU offensive line versus the West Virginia defensive line. Because if West Virginia is as dominant as they were against Pittsburgh and KU is held under two yards per carry, it's going to be a lot more difficult for Jalen Daniels to win that quarterback battle against JT Daniels because he's going to be set up in third and longs in third in situations where the pass rush knows what is coming and the defense can kind of curtail to that. KU's offensive line doesn't have to dominate this battle like they did against Tennessee Tech. They might not even have to win it. They just have to negate any of the big plays by the D-line. So like West Virginia had five sacks against Pittsburgh, if you can hold yourself to maybe two or three sacks in this game and avoid a bunch of the negative plays, avoid a bunch of the tackles for loss, avoid the plays where you get no push and it's a zero-yard gain on first down, like at least be able to... Yeah, maybe it's not a four- or five-yard gain like you wanted, but make it a two-yard gain, make it a three-yard gain. And that's where the running backs tie back in. This isn't just the offensive line. Can the running backs make guys miss? Can they get those extra yards? Can they dive forward to make what might be a one-yard gain into a three-yard gain? All that matters here. But the KU offensive line, which you know what you have with the starters. They looked really good in week one. They were getting off the ball well. They are opening up huge holes. It's a whole nother thing to do it against a West Virginia team that did have a really good defense last year, that has a really good defensive line this year, that caused all sorts of pressure and chaos and troubles running the ball for Pittsburgh in week one. If you do it against them, though, you're going to feel pretty good against this offensive line. But I will say the one positive for this is, you know, we've talked a lot about KU's offensive line maybe not having as much depth, but you like the starters a little bit better. The good news is this is week two. So coming into the game, obviously you can't speak for what happens in-game, but coming into the game itself, you're healthy on that offensive line, which is certainly a positive there for KU. And then the last matchup that is interesting to me here, and we'll have a heavy hand in determining this one, how will KU's run defense do? They looked really good in the first week of the season against Tennessee Tech. And you compare it last year against South Dakota, South Dakota was able to find lanes running the football. Tennessee Tech wasn't really at all. Again, though, it's Tennessee Tech, so you'd rather have it where you didn't get gashed on the ground than not, because then you'd have more questions. But now we get to see it against a Big 12 team, against a team that, as mentioned, had an offensive line that really struggled in Week 1. But last year, they were one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12, and they brought back all of their starters. So I don't want to just look at last week and say, oh, the offensive line sucks. Like I feel like they clearly have 
uh, a lot of good play about them that I'm more expecting that offensive line to show up here in week two against Kansas. Let's see if Kansas can stop the run against a talented and experienced offensive line with two really good running backs. That's going to be the key. And again, it doesn't have to be something where Kansas holds West Virginia under 100 yards in the game. You can't have one of those games where the Mountaineers rush for 200-plus yards. Like, it has to be hard-earned for them. Otherwise, back to the quarterback conversation, it's going to be a lot easier if JT Daniels is facing third down and four. Brian Borland, the defense coordinator for KU, said earlier this week at his media availability, he was like, you know, we, we want to be able to, to stop both. We don't want to just completely sell out against one because if we're just selling out against the run completely, like they have a good quarterback that can pass it around, they're still going to pass it all over us, and that's not going to be very helpful for us. So he doesn't mean it from that standpoint, but he does emphasize the idea that, you know, it it's a lot tougher to stop the run and the pass. At least if we can stop the run, yeah, they may pass it all over us, but it becomes a little more... I don't know, a little easier maybe. Maybe you're giving up less yards per play in the past because you can expect it more and you're in more expected downs of win to see that coming at the other end. So can Kansas stop the run? They were good at it in week one. It's a whole nother challenge against this West Virginia team, both in terms of personnel of the running backs, personnel of the offensive line. And if they look as good as they did against Tennessee Tech, I think that would be some big takeaways uh, for the defensive line as far as they have depth, they have some of the star players like Lonnie Phelps, Let's see it against Big 12 competition. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to get on to our Bet Online segment of the week here. Go over some of the lines for the KU West Virginia game and uh, some early Heisman odds for college football. That coming up. Right now at Bet Online, Kansas is getting 13 and a half points. I think right now I'd lean toward it being a close game. It was a six point game last year, but you look at the, the series, the history. The games that have been played in Morgantown have not been that close. Now, there have been some where maybe it was close at halftime, like the 2020 meeting. Les Miles had COVID, wasn't there. Joshua Ergel takes over as interim head coach. They kept that close through three quarters-ish of that game, and then West Virginia pulled away for what ended up being a 16-point win. But KU had a kick return touchdown, I want to say by Puka Williams or, or someone, toward the end of that game when it was like 38-14, they hit the two-point conversion. I think that allowed them to cover the spread or something of that one. Uh, but I, I think I'd be leaning taking KU with the 13 and a half points there. I'll say one thing. The money line is interesting here. On Bet Online, it is plus 430 for KU. Because there's part of me that goes, either West Virginia is going to win this by 17, or KU might pull the upset here. Going back to the idea of we don't know how they're going to play, dealing with the Neil Brown stuff that's been just going on and, and maybe has become the, the center focus of the talk around West Virginia and having a tough loss to a rival in week one. So maybe it's boom or bust. Maybe that would be the better bet, taking KU Moneyline plus 430 where you're getting better odds. I think that's the way I'd be leaning. As far as the over-under, 59.5. Um, I think, like I said, if Kansas holds West Virginia under 30 points, you feel good about that. The problem for me here is that West Virginia's defensive line is, is good enough that it could make life really hard for the KU offense running the ball and everything. But I think there is openings in that secondary for KU to exploit. So right now, I'm leaning over. But I don't feel great about it. I mean, I guess a 38-24 to, to 24 game gets you over. If that's something there. So, yeah, I, I'm leaning over as far as uh, that game goes. I did also want to get on to some of the betting odds from Bet Online for the Heisman Trophy because I think that's kind of interesting looking after week one. So, after the first week of the season, Bryce Young, 
is the favorite at three to one. C.J. Stroud at four to one. Caleb Williams at six to one. But it's the guys after that because those were already the favorites to begin with, who really made a rise over the course of the first week of the season. Anthony Richardson was going around forty to one toward the end of August, and he's now at fourteen to one. He had that crazy highlight play on the two-point conversion against Utah. He just looks different. The one thing that scares me a little bit is that Florida, they still might only be like a seven or eight win team. And it's just tough for Heisman winners if you're not winning nine or ten games or you're not in the playoff. Every Heisman winner has made the playoff except for Lamar Jackson. Maybe that's the type of season that Anthony Richardson could have. I sprinkled a little bit on it. I, I got it even before it went down to 14 to 1. I think I got it at like 25 to 1, something like that, before it totally shifted. But now at 14 to 1, I think that's a little too high for my too rich for my taste. Uh Stetson Bennett at 14 to 1. He was 66 to 1 on September 1st. He's now 14 to 1 at Bet Online. Again, he's going to have the stats for it. I think this is like a Mac Jones situation a couple years ago. Mac Jones didn't win the Heisman. They had Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen like all these unbelievable players around him. I think that's what's going to happen to Stetson Bennett. He'll have a great year. Everyone will say, yeah, he should be in the running for the Heisman. He should be a guy who gets drafted now, all those things. I just don't think that's going to enable him to uh, win the award. Bijan Robinson at 25-1. to 1. If you're in on that, do it this week because they're playing Alabama, and he – to win the Heisman probably needs to have a good showing in that game. And if he does have a good showing in the game against Alabama, his odds are going to go up even more. Um, man, I don't know. This is tough after this. Tyler Van Dyke, I still like a 33-1. to What about Cade Klubnik, the backup quarterback right now at Clemson? You can get him way down the odds list. You can get him at 100-1. to he looked good at the end of that game against Georgia Tech. DJ Uyunglele did not. How long before we see Cade Klubnick take over as the starting quarterback? Is he going to be too late into the game? And what about Jackson Smith and Jigba? He was going off at 20 to 1 back in um, April. He was at 40 to 1 at the beginning of September. Now he's 100 to 1. He had that injury. How long is it going to keep him out? But he should put up pretty gnarly numbers in Ohio State's system. So those would be ones that I'm uh, kind of looking at there. But how about the rise of Stetson Bennett? and uh, Anthony Richardson. If you want a KU player, I'm not seeing any on this list, so it probably comes down they would have to win this week. Devin Neal would need a crazy performance or Jalen Daniels, something like that. And then maybe you can get someone at 100-1 to if you just want to throw a few dollars at it. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. Coming up on Monday's show, we will recap whatever happens in the KU West Virginia game tomorrow. Again, you can hear that game on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, or 105.9 KISS on the radio. If you have anything you would like for this show to talk about, want to follow along in the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today to further the preview with West Virginia. Have a good one. Talk to you later.